everyone. This is Craig Valentine from TurbulenceTraining.com, and I'm here with the mad scientist of exercises, Nick Nilsson. Nick, welcome to the call. Thanks a lot, man. Good to be here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your training background and a little bit also about how you got into doing the the exercises that are so unique. Sure. Um, I've been training about 18 years now, so probably about half my life I've been at it. And um, I have a degree in um, exercise physiology and um, a degree also in psychology, which kind of doesn't really match at all as well. But uh, I've been a personal trainer for the last 10 years, been doing um, a lot of online stuff. And uh, basically what really got me into um, inventing kind of these screwball exercises is uh, my dad. When um, I was a kid growing up, I thought it was perfectly normal to have a, a basement gym made entirely out of plumbing pipe. And... Um, that's basically what it kind of liberated me from, you know, feeling like I had to follow the straight-up exercises as it was laid out before. So as I kind of got into training more and more, I started coming up with some, you know, twists on exercises, and basically I kind of went with that, and I found that the more I tried to adjust things, the better results I got because a lot of these exercises that I come up with, I find really target the muscles much better than, you know, the more standard kind of exercises. And not to say that the basic stuff doesn't work, but sometimes a little twist can make them work a whole lot better. And when did you first start really changing your exercises? Was it, uh, you know, were you doing that right off the start, or did you get into that maybe a little bit later after you kind of got bored with traditional exercises? It was probably within the first year of my training, because um, when I first started into it, I had basically followed just the general um, normal exercises, and um, and those were great, and those got me results, so I didn't feel any real need to change things up. But um, as I was reading more and more and kind of seeing how other people were changing things up, I thought, man, I can do that too. And with the background I had in training and having my dad's, you know, basement gym to muck around in too, I had just started messing around with things and adjusting this. And as I learned more kinesiology and biomechanics, I started developing kind of a, a better grasp of how to change things to be more effective. So as I was adjusting things on the fly sometimes, you know, I'd, I'd just come up with things as I'm doing an exercise sometimes. And thought, man, what if I brace my arm this way instead? And I'd feel it instantly. And um, just making these little adjustments on the fly and, and kind of twisting things around, thinking outside the box, then I really realized that uh, there's really something to this. This isn't just all about, you know, making new exercises for the sake of not being bored. This is new stuff for the sake of better results. And that's kind of the key that I was going after. I didn't want to just, you know, start doing random stuff just uh, so I could draw attention to myself in the gym. All right, well, what about, uh, let's let's maybe give our listeners a couple of your first classic ones, like some of the first ones that you came up with that were really good, just to give them a taste of what you're doing different. And then we'll kind of go through, you know, like you kind of talked about there a little bit about how you actually come up with this. Yeah, absolutely. One of the uh, very first ones I did, actually, and uh, I actually even named this one after myself, I call it a Nielsen curl, where basically it's a bicep exercise, but it looks almost exactly like a chin-up. The difference with this one is that you're actually bracing your forearms against something so that your forearms can't move as you're doing a chin-up. Um, you can picture this one, like say if you're on a playground and you grab uh, a ladder, a straight up and down ladder, you grab the top rung and the next rung down is bracing against your forearms. Now in that position you do a chin-up. Because your forearm is braced, your forearm can't move and a little bit forward, so it basically throws all the tension onto your biceps probably about 90% of it onto your biceps while you're doing chin-up. So if you can imagine putting 90% of your body weight onto your biceps, you're going to get some pretty serious results off of that. And um, that one has kind of, you know, really opened my eyes up. It was one of the very first ones I came up with on my own. 
that really was like, wow, this is just amazing stuff, and I can maybe I can do this for a lot of my other exercises, and uh, really figure out a lot of different ways to take that kind of thing and you know make new stuff and make it work. Can you do that with dumbbells? Um, that particular exercise, no. Um, you really need uh, either like rack or um, I've seen people do it where you, d- you do the side of the rack and you take the two rails on the rack and you put them just like ladder rungs or you take a bar and then put another bar on the safety rails and brace your arms that way. Um, but uh, if you want to add weight, you can put a dumbbell between your feet. But uh, as far as bracing your forearms and doing a dumbbell curl like that, I haven't really thought of a way to do that. What uh, what are some of your favorite dumbbell exercises? Because I know we got a lot of listeners who are working out at home just with very small amount of equipment. So what uh, what are some of the coolest dumbbell exercises you have for upper body that kind of tooled around with? Absolutely. One of my uh, favorite ab exercises actually is one that's going to, if you do it in a gym, it's going to make it, people think that you're absolutely insane. It's a dumbbell crawling where you basically, you, you're on your hands and knees, but in your hands are a couple of dumbbells. So you, you crawl forward, basically, not on your knees, but on your feet, like kind of like a Spider-Man kind of um, movement, sure. except you're um, holding dumbbells in your hands. So you're walking forward on these dumbbells. And uh, let me tell you, if you've never done any kind of movements that put, put a torque on your your abs, this one is going to just open your eyes up because you're, you basically take crawling forward and then crawling backwards, and each time you step, you're moving this dumbbell forward, and it uh, puts a lot of cross tension on your abs. And How uh, much weight are you using in that? I'd say start light, but uh, I worked my way up to 100-pound dumbbells. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that one uh, that one's a killer, and it's one of my favorites. Uh, as far as um, a good chest one, actually, is um, another. Uh, let me see. I'm trying to think of a really good one here. Not that, not like they're all bad or anything, but the, the some are just better than others. Um, a trick that I like to use when I'm doing dumbbell bench press, for instance, is um, when I'm coming to the end of the set, and uh, this is done when you're doing dumbbell bench press on the Swiss ball, and um, you're starting to get to that last rep where you're kind of fighting for it. You basically focus on moving one dumbbell, and then you focus on moving the other dumbbell, and then you just kind of ratchet your way up until you're right at the top. And you can actually squeeze out like one or two more reps off of that, even at the end of a really hard set. So what is it that allows you to come up with these exercises? Now, you, let's say, you know, going back to that ab one, you know, you're sitting there. What, what were you thinking? What were, exercise were you working on before you said, hey, what if I kind of maybe throw in some resistance here and, and change this exercise completely? Or, or you know, with the, the chest one, I guess you're doing dumbbell presses quite a lot, so you can always think about ways of doing that. But for some of the more advanced ones, how do you, or unique ones, how do you actually – you know, what's the impetus to get you started on that? A lot of the times it's really something completely unrelated. Like for that ab exercise, I can tell you exactly where I came up with it. I was doing, um, I was getting ready to put weights back onto the dumbbell rack. And um, I was kind of leaning over and I moved one forward. And I was kind of in that crawl position and, and I just felt it immediately in my abs. And I thought, man, if I, this happens just when I'm moving the weights, I wonder if I turn this into an actual exercise focused on that. So I immediately turned around and started crawling forward with these dumbbells, and I just about, you know, lost my lunch. It was just like an amazing ab exercise because, you know, I was holding 100-pound dumbbells at the time, you know, and I wouldn't recommend starting that high. But uh, the first time I ever did them, that's exactly what happened. Basically, it was a total accident, and I thought, man, if it feels like this when I'm just, you know, doing this by accident, what if I focus on doing this on purpose? 
and that's a yeah a lot of what I come up with that's how I do it is um I'll, I'll be doing something completely unrelated and just right off the top of my head I'll think you know I feel it you know here but kind of by accident what happens if I try and focus on maximizing that movement by doing it on purpose here with a different apparatus or a different exercise and um it's just it's sometimes you really come up with some pretty amazing stuff. Okay, so before we get into some more of those exercises, why don't we just talk about, you know, what type of workouts you generally have found most effective for muscle building. Let's talk about muscle building first. Mm-hmm. Probably so the... Best um, reps, you know, frequency, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. I'd have to say the best muscle building exercise program that I've done is um, it kind of alternates between very high volume and um, moderate intensity and very low volume but a little bit higher intensity. So you're basically you're going, you're going back and forth between a few different extremes by increasing the volume. Um, say you're doing, you know, total body workouts three or four days a week and you're hitting your, your muscles very frequently and you're doing a lot of volume each time. You do that until your body is kind of getting to the point where you're almost overtrained. And that's kind of training on the edge of uh, that overtraining is where your results really start piling up. And then when you back off and allow your body time to recover, you get even better results because that's when your body is still in gear from the higher volume training, and then you back off and give it more time to recover. And uh, it's it's kind of like with your well, yeah, analogy I like to use is when you're a car going up the hill, you got it floored just to keep moving at a slow pace. When you come over the top of the hill, if you keep that pedal floored, you're going to be picking up speed really, really fast. And that's kind of the analogy that uh, I like to use in terms of um, the best muscle building kind of program out there. And that's generally how I like to construct the programs that I put together. So how long are you looking at a phase that is, you know, you're uphill real tough, and then, and then how, you know, when you switch, do you take any rest, or, you know, how do you change things up? It uh, depends on the program. Um, I've had one of my muscle building programs is uh, designed to be done in a month, and basically I'll take two weeks to basically just hammer the body, and then two weeks to back off. And then I'll do it again two weeks of uh, higher volume and then two weeks of backing off, and then one week completely off. So I'm basically taking one week completely off after eight weeks of training in a row. Um, A more moderate program, I would do three to four weeks of each phase and just kind of let the results be your guide in terms of, especially on the backup phase. But during the high volume phase, you you will come to a point where your body says, okay, I need I need a rest here, I need a break, and then you back off, and then kind of let it coast. You know, not like you're training easy, but you're you're backing off on the volume and the uh, increasing the loads that you're using. Very nice. Okay, so what about fat loss? Switching over, do you have, do you have a similar way of doing things? I do, actually, and um, I found that this kind of approach, basically, you're just mostly just changing the diet and you know, eating less calories and cleaner. And um, the training I like to do with a fat loss program is very targeted to what kind of nutrients you're eating. Um, for example, if you're doing kind of a more of a low-carb focus, then you'd want to adjust your training so you're not going near failure using kind of a higher volume. And you're focusing more on lactic acid, which is a great way to um, hormonally burn fat because that increases growth hormone, which in turn, you know, is a very potent fat-burning hormone. Um, when I kind of switch that off and do a – I kind of like to go back and forth between that as well. So I do a higher volume when I'm doing low-carb and then back off and do like a low-fat. So you're still eating low-calorie, but you're changing the focus of your training to more of a muscle-building um, 
kind of program. And uh, I found this going back and forth really kind of keeps your body from losing muscle. I mean, and um, it's a really effective way to keep your body from hitting any plateaus as well, I found. Okay, very cool. And then so when you're talking about nutrition, what kind of approach do you have there for fat loss? For fat loss, I'm, I'm actually a fan of low-carb eating for part of it and for very limited periods. And um, the reason it's limited is that you don't want to stay on it too long because you will start to plateau and you will start to actually lose muscle and a lot of energy. And I found five or six days on that is about the most you should do before switching to more of a low-fat kind of approach. And uh, so when I'm doing a fat loss program, I, I tend to not do a steady-state approach where I'll, you know, I'll, some people will recommend doing a few hundred calories below maintenance, um, which is totally fine and, and does work. But for me, I found it better for my results to alternating between low-carb and low-fat and keeping the calories low but alternating back and forth is what kind of prevents your body from basically getting used to any one thing, a.k.a. turbulence. <laughs> yeah, sure. Turbulence diet, there you go. That's right. All right, so uh, muscle building, how do you change things? Uh, with muscle building, it's um, it's a lot of different things. I like to use a lot of different techniques. Um, I tend to... Um, Stay away from going to muscular failure with muscle building these days. Um, when I was younger, I used to do a lot of that, and I think I have actually should have got, gotten better results because I found I get better results by pulling back a little bit and not pushing things quite as hard. Um, I actually, for muscle building, prefer to do more of a higher volume, higher frequency approach um, where I find um, instead of doing like a one-body part-per-day kind of program that a lot of people do like to use, especially bodybuilders, but for me it doesn't work at all, I need to do more of a... Um, Say if you're doing like three sets of bench, that's it for chest for that day. And then you do it again a couple more times that week even. But you're, you're, the idea is basically to train more frequently so you're hitting the muscle more frequently but not killing it as hard each time so that it doesn't dip into your uh, recovery energy quite as much. How often are you training frequently then? Are you hitting the same muscle group twice in uh, five or six days? Yeah, it's, it's usually about twice a week. Um, I've gone actually as high as really insane levels of frequency where I've done two-day workouts hitting my total body every time for two days, so basically 12 times a week. And wow. um, during that period, I was actually on vacation. I was, used to work on cruise ships. And I was on vacation during that time and doing nothing, eating, sleeping, and training. Sure. And, uh, you know, so it's not like a, a general kind of program I'd recommend for most people. But uh, for me, that was incredibly effective. And that kind of frequency is, uh, is on the extreme for sure. But... Um, I think a lot of people tend not to train as frequently their body parts as they should, and um, they do too much at once rather than, you know, pulling back a little bit on the amount of stuff they're doing but just doing a little bit more frequently. Okay, so so on that, uh, not necessarily on that particular program, but on a regular one, are you suggesting, you know, two exercises of chest, you know, one day and then, you know, two different exercises of chest another day? Yeah, something along that line. It would be more like, um, say, if you're doing chest on Monday, you do a couple exercises and then repeat again on Thursday, that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, so you're looking at, what, six to eight sets? About that, yeah. Okay. Very good. And then um, what I actually meant to ask you was nutrition for muscle building. What uh, approach are you taking there? Um, I actually have two different kind of um, philosophies with that. Uh, if you're on a, it, and it depends totally on the kind of program that you're using. Um, if it's more of a steady, steadily designed muscle building kind of program, I'll do a very basically high high volume eating as well. And um what I tend to do with my 
nutrition is. I, I don't as frequently as a lot of people recommend. I actually stick to like three, sometimes four meals a day. I'll have a big breakfast, a small lunch, and a big post-workout meal. And that, uh, for me, that really works well because I, I tend to have an appetite that if I'm eating a big meal, I, I just stuff myself silly and I can't eat again for like six hours. Okay. So I kind of work with that and, um, you know, have a big breakfast so I'm not hungry again until the afternoon and I have a small lunch, train kind of in the early evening, and then a big meal right after a workout. And um, that seems to really work well for me. Um, if the program I'm doing is more of a, uh, a more of acute kind of thing where it's, like, for example, the muscle building program that I have out right now called Muscle Explosion, I have a, the first week actually is a very strict low-calorie diet phase, which basically draws out all the carbs to set your body up to rebound the following week. And that's kind of the uh, slingshot approach is what I call it. And it's, it's basically like when you come off a low-carb diet and your body carbs up, it flushes a lot of nutrients into your muscles. And uh, I found that's a great way to t- kind of take advantage and force your body to add on some muscle. So that's kind of the approaches that I take is one's a very um, instantaneous kind of power-focused approach and one is more of a long-term kind of keep the calories high, keep the protein high kind of approach. Now, we're probably going to have people listening that really want to gain muscle, lose fat at the same time. So what approach would you take with that type of person? With that kind of approach, actually, I, I found that it's better to not try and do both of those goals exactly at once because they're basically very much competing goals. I mean, to build muscle, you do need an excess of calories. To lose fat, you need um, just slightly below maintenance in order to lose fat. So what I tend to recommend to people is to do short cycles of both back-to-back, kind of similar to what I was just describing with the the muscle-building program there, except you're doing five days of very low-calorie, low-carb is what I recommend, but you don't have to do low-carb, kind of eating and training focusing your training on fat loss. And then you turn around and do five days of just the opposite. You do muscle building training, a very high-calorie, high-calorie load diet. And you just go back and forth between those two things every five days. And um, I've seen some really incredible results with that. And even though you're not doing both goals at the exact same time, you're basically, over the course of a month, you are achieving that. You're achieving muscle growth and you're achieving fat loss at the same time. Do you have a specific program for that or would you just you know, use two different programs? Of your um, I do actually have on my site, um, uh, com. You can go there and actually get that program for free. I've got it uh, listed on the site there. You just need to sign up for the what's newsletter. What's it called? What's that? What's it called? It's uh, my Dirty Little Secret program. Okay. Great. Yeah, and that's... Uh, check that one out. Yeah. Right. Go ahead. I was going to say, it's a really powerful little program. It's, um, it's uh, I actually used it last year and got um, my highest deadlift ever by doing it. I managed to get up to 565 pounds off the deadlift on that. Wow. Well, keeping body fat below about 8%, so it was was a pretty good program. Yeah, seriously. Hey, so um, let's talk about deadlift then for a second. You know, what what were some of the things that you used in that deadlift program that uh, helped you get up there? And, you know, did you add anything else? Do you have any weird variations of the deadlift that you use? You know what, the, the weird thing is with that, is using that program, I actually wasn't doing any heavy deadlifts at all. I was doing, on the five days of muscle building, I was doing very high rep, moderate weight deadlifts. On the first round through of the muscle building, I started with 225 
did as many reps as I could with that. I think I think I had about 20 reps with that. Then the following round through, I hit, um, I think I put 275 on and did 24 reps with it. So more weight and increase in reps. And then the following week, I did 315 for 30 reps. And then I figured, you know what, I feel pretty strong with this. So let's try a, a max deadlift. And I, you know, managed to boost my max deadlift by about 20 pounds just by doing high rep moderate weight training like that, which was really surprising to me. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Very impressive numbers. Um, okay, so that's pretty interesting stuff. So what about interval training? Do you use that uh, with clients and who uses it more? Do you use it more with women than men or are you using, you know, to help people lose fat or using mostly just resistance training? Um, the focus of my fat loss programs are generally going to be the resistance training, but uh, I do include a lot of um, interval training when people do want to do cardio, simply because it's, it's just more effective. And um, the long-duration stuff i found can lead to a lot of boredom and it can lead to repetitive stress injuries. And, you know, that keeps you out of the game. I used to be a long-distance runner myself, so I'd, I'm talking from experience. Where Basically, I, I got injured more doing long-distance running over a couple of years than I've done over 18 years of weightlifting. And uh, it's just... Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the uh, long-duration kind of aerobic training, but uh, it's not all bad. You can do it for fun if you want to. But for fat loss, I definitely recommend the intervals. And uh, when you think intervals, some people think that it has to be like all-out hill sprints until you throw up. It, it just doesn't have to be like that. You can do more moderate-paced intervals as long as you're, you know, basically throwing your body for a loop and not doing the steady state. It's going to be more effective than that long-term long cardio. Are you using any specific methods? You know, do you like bike or do you like people to get outside run hills or you know what are you uh, looking for there and do you have any type of weird stuff that you use oh i got some very weird stuff that i use without a doubt yeah i tend to uh like people to get outside and move because um a lot of times on the machines and, and machines are not all bad i have a treadmill and a bike in my basement too and i use them in the winter especially but uh, just there's nothing beats getting out there and actually moving yourself around and uh, one of my favorite techniques i like to do is um I take a stopwatch with me, and I go for a walk. I walk five seconds, and then I do a fast, like, 95% power sprint for 15 seconds. And then the watch goes off, boom, five more seconds of walking. And then, boom, 15 more seconds of running. And I keep doing that for about 20 minutes. And what that does is it, it basically allows your body to work at a very high percentage of your maximum heart rate, basically, and for long periods of time. And... um Nothing gets me leaner than doing that when I'm doing uh, a low-carb training especially because it just it kicks your metabolism into gear like nothing else. That's, that's similar to Tabata, 20 seconds on but 10 seconds off, but you're Nilsonizing it and taking it to 15 seconds on and 5 seconds off. Yep, it's basically right along that line. And um, Yep, I've done that Tabata before, and that's that's brutal too. So, but this is kind of a little bit not quite that intense, but it's um, for a longer kind of duration. And uh, it basically allows you to work at that higher level for longer periods and really push yourself. Very nice. Very nice. And okay, then, anything uh, else to add on uh, fat loss before we go into some more of the exercises? Um, yeah. Actually, uh, I was going to tell you one more um, trick that I like to do for the interval training is to um, take a kettlebell for a run. And um, basically you're doing interval training with this, like 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off, but you're carrying – I was carrying a 25-pound kettlebell around the neighborhood doing that. And um, that's actually not only does it give you a little more extra resistance, it actually really hits the core strongly because you're just carrying it in one hand. And then you switch oh, so hands on the next side. 
Yep, just pulling it to your side and just running with this kettlebell beside you. And uh, I mean, your so neighbors are thinking you're doing that. Not, doesn't hit your legs at all. Actually, you just kind of hold it off a little bit to the side. And uh, I found because the kettlebell has a little weight, your body kind of tends to lean to that side anyways, so it does keep it away from your legs. So you're going to alternate between, you know, you do one rep and then switch? Yeah, so you, you hold it in the right hand for part of it and then the left hand for the next round and then the right hand and go back and forth and uh, and hope that your neighbors don't think you're stealing something because you're running. <laughs> <laughs> well, your neighbors must think you're insane. My neighbors, yeah, they really do. Cause I, I'm running around carrying stuff and pushing things and pushing cars around the neighborhood and flipping tires out in the driveway and stuff. And, Very good. Yeah. Very nice. All right. Um, okay, so that's pretty interesting. So let's move into, you know, we're on the kettlebell scene. Uh, what do you do with the kettlebell that's different from, you know, someone might learn in a regular kettlebell course? Honestly, not a whole lot. I haven't really worked with kettlebells a whole lot. I've only got a couple that I've got in my basement. Um, I do, like, effective. But uh, I don't really do a whole different kind of thing with them other than, uh, you know, so i got to get into that, though, because it's... Okay, so um, let's move on back to chest stuff, then. Sure. So we've got our dumbbell chest press you've changed. What about um, differences in some bench pressing stuff you've done? You know, maybe, you know, with the, with the thought that, you know, some people can end up with ruined shoulders with bench pressing, is there a way that you still get a great chest workout from bench press with less stress in your shoulders? Have you done anything that way? Actually, yeah. It's... Um if you have access to um, a cable machine or at least some uh, elastic bands, I got one that's just going to set your pecs on fire. Um, think about um, two low pulleys in a cable crossover machine. Um, you put like a bench or a ball right in between. You hold a couple of um, you had a couple of dumbbells set up. So you're basically going to be combining two forms of resistance into one exercise. Um, I like to use ankle uh, straps on these low pulleys. So basically, you attach these ankle straps to your forearms. You can also do this just by basically holding the dumbbell and the cable handle in one hand, too. But basically, you're going to be doing a dumbbell bench press and a cable fly at the same time. Now, if you imagine doing a dumbbell press, you get the most resistance at the stretch and at the bottom. When you're doing a cable fly, you get the most resistance at the top, and they kind of overlap their strength curve. So as you're bringing the dumbbells in and together, you're getting the direct resistance inwards from the cables. And uh, you can mimic that with the, the bands as well by tying them on to two things directly out to the sides. But um, just combining those two forms of resistance basically keeps tension on the pecs for the entire movement. They get no rest at all. And uh, I find that to be really not only easy on the shoulders, but uh, extraordinarily effective for the chest. Very good. Very good. Um, anything else you want to mention about chest exercises before we move on to a different body part? Um, one of the things I've also found, if you're interested in building a bigger bench, is partial training. And um, for me, um, the bottom of the bench is kind of the spot that's hardest on my shoulders. And uh, I can do lockouts with pretty substantial weight without much problem. And just loading your connective tissue like that really can increase your overall full range of motion bench press too without um, hitting your shoulders so much in the more vulnerable bottom position. And... Um, a few years ago when I first started doing partial training, I was basically stuck at 300 pounds on my bench and just couldn't get past that plateau until I kind of realized it wasn't the muscle that was lacking in strength. It was more the connective tissue. So by doing the partials for about six weeks, I actually managed to bump my bench up to 350 just by doing that. 
And um, I found that to be one trick that uh, really works every time for people. Okay, very good. And uh, what about now we're going to go in and train our upper back because we want to work on that to counter all the, the pressing that we talked about so far. Oh, yeah. It's, it's critically important to do to, com- to basically balance that, like you're saying. Um, one of my favorite um, back exercises, and this is a great one if you uh, find you have trouble feeling your back working, is um, what I call decline pullovers slash pulldowns, where basically you take a low pulley, and you can do this um, sort of with a dumbbell, but it's, it's going to be easier with a pulley, where you put the decline bench so your head is down by the pulley, and you reach back and you use the uh, the V bar or um, a straight bar, and then just like you're in the bench press dumbbell decline bench press position, you do kind of a pull down movement, and it kind of doubles as a pullover movement, so it keeps the tension on and forces that tension onto your lats the whole way through. And uh, I've seen pretty incredible results with that one too, and it, it really lights up the lats pretty good. Okay, very nice. And uh, what about body weight stuff? What have we got for upper body body weight stuff that you're doing? This- um, chin-ups, um, I've got a ton of different variations of chin-ups and pull-ups. And uh, I can give you one of my very favorite chin-up variations. Um, sure. Basically, all you need is a chin-up bar for this one. And um, instead of gripping so that you're facing the bar, you want to grip it so you're. it's kind of like an alternating grip, like you're right directly perpendicular underneath the bar, if that makes sense. Yep. And you basically you pull yourself up. And then you walk your other hand over on the bottom. So you're only going about halfway down. And you're kind of walking yourself towards down the end of the bar and then walking yourself forward. And um, what that does is basically for part of that movement, you're supporting your entire body weight just on one arm, just for a brief moment, and pulling yourself back up. And, you know, walk back and forth down the bar a couple of times like that, alternating your hands. And um, I can promise you, you'll feel your back for days after that. Very interesting. Uh, any push-up variations that we didn't get around to talking about during the chest part? Uh, I'm going to make push-ups harder than uh, you know most people are kind of topping out, or you know they will do 50 push-ups or you know 30 decline push-ups. I need something a little more advanced. Actually, yeah, I do have um, one that basically you can do um, if you've got like a chair or a bench or even a step. Instead of um, it's kind of like a one-arm push-up but your other non-working arm is held straight out and supported on that raised object, like a bench or um, a low stair or something. And you're just doing a one-arm push-up, but because you're uh, basically supporting yourself on the other arm too, isometrically, it's not a tricep exercise like the usual one-arm push-up is. So you can kind of hold your body in that push-up position, but use just one arm and get the push-up a lot more resistance that way. Okay. Yeah. All right. Interesting. And then, all right, so we uh, we should really hit some ab stuff now. You've talked about the dumbbell one. What else we got? Uh, let's see, yeah. Well, I've got so many ab exercises that uh, I just come up with these things like almost every day. Uh, my favorite one can be done with dumbbells or barbell, and it's called the curl squat. And uh, it's simply that you hold the top of a, of a curl, and then you squat. And it's just that easy. But if you've ever done a front squat, you kind of know how that hits the entire front portion of your core as well as your legs. This basically takes more of that skeletal support away from the exercise and puts it more on the core. So you can't use as much weight, but it all goes directly right into the core. And um, 
for me, I found this exercise to be just incredible for building up my squat strength because um, for me, it was the core that basically kind of holds me back when I'm doing heavy squatting. That's where I kind of feel it most. My back doesn't bother me. My legs are fine. Glutes fine. It's just supporting the weight through the core. So by doing this exercise, where it's very simply you're just holding the top of that curl and you're squatting up and down, um, it really develops that specific strength for increasing your squat fast. Very nice. Um, body weight ab exercise that people can do with no equipment, maybe in a hotel room or something, anything? Oh, absolutely. I've got, the, got a ton of those, too. Um, one of my favorite ones for that is uh, what I call a side ab push-up, where if you're thinking, if you think like a side plank, um, only you're not resting on your forearm, you're resting on your arm straight down below you. Now and kind of let your hip go down towards the floor. And now, using your side ab strength directly, bring your hip directly straight up in the air until your body is kind of in a, uh, an angle. And then just kind of um, repeat that, where you're keeping your body basically um, in the vertical plane but sideways, like a side plank, and you're just moving your hips up and down by contracting your abs. And um, that one is just an incredible one for tightening up the entire oblique area. Um, the first time I did it, I was sore for two days after that, and that was just with wow. block weight. Impressive. Impressive stuff. So where are some of like, the best resources to get these exercises? Do you have most of them are in video, or do you have them in manual, too? Um, I've got them all on my sites, actually. And um, fitness-ebooks.com is where I sell the ebooks through that. And um, I have a membership site where I basically brain dump all this stuff in, like every other day. I've got almost 650 pages of these things on there. Wow. And uh, that's PowerfulTrainingSecrets.com. And uh, I, I got a lot of, I think I got 65 pages of free samples on there too. So it's just, uh, there's a, quite a lot of uh, crazy stuff out there that you can try. And uh, a lot of it's good body weight stuff. And I tend to stick to more of the free weight stuff myself too. And uh, I know a lot of people are more interested in the free weight and the body weight stuff. And I'm right with you on that because the, the machines, they're, they can be okay, but they're not, they shouldn't be the focus of your training. And, sorry, what is Powerful? It's PowerfulTrainingSecrets.com. Perfect. Okay, let's move into lower body stuff, uh, glutes first. I know you've got a, a book on glute training, so why don't you share some of that with us? Absolutely, yeah. The um, the best glute exercise I've ever found is actually a body weight exercise. And uh, it's just, if you've never done this one before, you're going to be in first prize the following day when you try and sit down. Um, all you need for this one is like a bench or even a, a chair and something to grab onto. And it's basically just a one-legged squat, but you're holding on with your hands to something in front of you so you can balance yourself. And this allows you, by standing up on a bench, to squat way down until your butt is right down by your heels. And it helps you with your hands. You can pull yourself up a little bit so you can actually get a few more reps out of it too. But that deep stretch at the bottom is what really fires the glutes. And uh, you only need, first time you do this, just use body weight. You'll be just fine with just body weight. And um, you can gradually build up until you're holding a dumbbell in one hand, or even what I recommend to people also is wearing a backpack, which also throws the weight kind of behind you, which hits the glutes even better. Okay. And then what about hamstrings? Because those are kind of tough to train, especially with body weight only. Uh, what do you got for, you know, free weights and then body weight there? Actually, there is one incredibly good hamstring exercise. Um, it's similar to like a glute ham raise, but um, it's kind of like a bodyweight leg curl is what it looks like, where you basically, similar concept to that um, uh, bicep exercise I was telling you about, where instead of um, doing 
a leg curl movement where your feet are moving, you're actually locking down your lower leg and using your body as the resistance. Um, one of the best setups for this is um, on the seated calf raise machine, where basically you put your you kneel on top of the seat, put your heels underneath the pads where your knees would go, and then just lower yourself forward and bring yourself back up, bending only at the knees. But you're moving your entire body weight and putting that on the hamstrings. Okay. And uh, what about calf training? Now, everyone's kind of got a weird opinion about calf training. How do you uh, set yours up, and what exercise do you have to pass on there? Um, I've got a really good um, body weight for that one, too, actually. Um, calf training is um, a lot of it's about feel. I mean, you can really load up your calves and, and get some decent results, but your calves are, will, will cheat because they're trying to find the easiest way around things. And, uh, I mean, just like any muscle. But the exercise that I like to recommend to people to do is kind of like a what I call a full-range calf raise. And this, this you can do with just body weight anywhere as well. And uh, you can do it just on a, a flight of stairs or something or just a, a wooden block. But basically, you get on one foot on the edge of the stair like you're doing a calf raise. And keep your leg not quite locked out, but just a little short of that. And now lean all the way forward like you're doing a stretch. Your heel is down. This is very similar to a donkey calf raise position. Because you're uh, bent over like that, you're putting a good stretch on your hamstrings, which also, because they cross the knee joint, your calf crosses the knee joint, also puts a great stretch on your calf. So you're getting a huge stretch at the bottom there. And you hold that stretch for about four or five seconds. And now keeping that you know, completely bent over body position, now do a calf raise. Come up as high as you can like that. Keeping that position with your foot, now you bring your upper body until you're completely um, straightened out again. Now finish up with a full regular calf raise. And uh, this takes it basically through the entire possible anatomical range of motion for the calf all in one shot like that. And uh, it's even with just your body weight, it's really an eye-opener because your calves will basically feel like someone was driving a nail into them on the first rep. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. All right, let's finish off with arm training, some bicep and tricep stuff that uh, everyone can put to, to use. Definitely. Um, one of my favorite bodyweight tricep exercises is um, a bodyweight tricep extension, and you can do these anywhere. Um, you can do it between a couple of chairs. You can do it on the edge of a desk, a railing, anything. Um, you basically set your feet about three or four feet back, put your hands on the bar in about, uh, about shoulder width position. And now you keep your elbows in, you lower your head underneath the bar, bending just at your elbows. And then you extend back up. So it's basically turning a regular tricep extension exercise around and doing it as a body weight exercise instead. And um, this one, it hits the triceps extremely well. And you can make it easier by moving your feet a bit in closer to the bar. You can make it harder by moving them further out. And uh, as you get really strong, you can even raise your feet up. So you're getting more of a downward angle on them, too. Very cool. Biceps? Uh, let me see. I'm trying to think of one that will really kill people. <laughs> um, actually, one of the best tips I have for biceps is... Uh, doing incline dumbbell curls a bit differently than you normally would find people doing them. Uh, most people, when they're doing the incline dumbbell curls, and that's honestly the incline dumbbell curls, one of the best bicep exercises you can do because of how it puts a great stretch at the bottom. What this variation does, it actually increases that stretch by changing your body position. And if you think about it, when you're doing a regular um, dumbbell curl on the incline bench, 
your the amount that your shoulders can stretch back is limited by that bench. So what I tell people to do is instead of laying with your back on the bench, instead sit so that you're about halfway up the bench, your feet are on the seat, and your upper back is over the top of the bench. Now when you lean back, your shoulders can go way back, puts a much bigger stretch on your biceps at the bottom, and um, you'll get a lot more results by doing it that way. And you'll feel the difference immediately when you do it this way. Very interesting. All right, man. Is there anything we didn't cover that uh, you want to mention? I'm trying to think. I think we covered most of the, the major muscle groups here and a lot of different stuff. What styles. about a shrug exercise? Anything different for the traps? Um, for traps, actually, um, one of the best things I've found to um, take away the tendency for people to use too many too much leg to do these kneeling on the ground. And um, basically, you set the barbell on the floor in front of you, and you grip it as you normally would, but instead of standing, you're kneeling, and you just do a shrug from that position, and that takes pretty much all the legs out of it, so you're doing just traps. And um, I found that one to be really effective. Interesting. All right, sir. That's uh, very good stuff. Um, so thank you, Nick. Again, just mention those, the website where you can get the free workout and the uh, membership site, and people can definitely check that stuff out and learn a lot about uh, new ways to train. Absolutely. Um, the site where you can get the program is fitstep.com, which is F-I-T-S-T-E-P.com. Um, I've got all my books available at fitness-ebooks.com. And the uh, site that has all the free samples of the great exercises that I've come up with, that's PowerfulTrainingSecrets.com. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much, Nick. I uh, really appreciate you being on the call. We'll probably get lots of questions and get another call coming up in the future. But for for now, thanks again. And everyone, this is Craig Valentine from TradeOnStraining.com. Hopefully you've got some new stuff to put in your workouts. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks a lot.